Hello everyone, welcome to Behind the Scenes in Health podcast. This podcast is a show where we are focused on finding out what happens behind the scenes in the healthcare industry. We focus on Nigeria, Africa and the diaspora. A lot of persons do not have an idea of the sheer grit and determination that goes on with building healthcare, starting from training in school to building healthcare businesses. My name is Ronald Kelechi, we are popularly known as Dr. Ron. I am a medical doctor with a postgraduate degree in clinical anatomy. I'm currently pursuing another in health informatics. I'm interested in healthcare technologies, innovation, informatics, and health content creation. By the side, I run MRI Medic, a company focused on helping healthcare companies tell their brand stories. Join me on the show as I interview and have chats with experts across the healthcare space including players in health technology, seasoned clinicians, finance experts, and healthcare professionals who have veered off the practice. It is my hope that with this podcast, we will shed light on some of these great areas and hopefully inspire the next generation of healthcare professionals, one conversation at a time. Yeah, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode on the show, Behind the Scenes in Health with Dr. Ron. Yeah, we've been on a break um, with these live sessions, but we are back and hopefully we shouldn't disappear anymore. And today I have a special guest with me in the studio, um, Dr. Kenechuku Mosu, and um, he'll be sharing his journey with us, how he's able to you know, become a jeweler, right? <laughs> or Dr. Jeweler, mm-hmm. right? That's what you call yourself. So without his I'll just pass the mic to him. So... Dr. Kelechuku, let's meet you, you know, a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, what you do. Hello, everyone. I am Dr. Kelechuku Musu, as uh, Dr. Ron has said already. We were classmates back in the university days. Um, I, think... I hope you wouldn't say that, but that's fine. <laughs> well, um, it's okay. Um, around my 400 level of Austin Medical School, some things happened that triggered my desire to explore my more artistic side. So I started with handmade cards. Uh, I think it was during our break after our second MBBS. So I came back, I was doing that. And I don't know, for some reason, something just triggered in me that made me feel like your mates are married. <laughs> so, dude, it's not everything that you'll be asking your parents for. So I went on to um, start making beats. At first, I think what happened was um, my older sister went to learn just before she started her internship as a pharmacist, like that short period between school and internship. And then I asked her to make some for me, which I brought to school around Valentine period. I was about to sell some and it snapped. So I had to wait to go back home during the short break I got or had to repair them for me, but she didn't have time because she started her internship, so I had to get them sorted out by myself. She took a look at them, she encouraged me, I decided to buy the equipment for repairing them, so whenever she makes, I wouldn't have to come back to get them repaired, I could just repair them and sell them. But along the way, I had kind of excess money, budgeted for the equipment for repairs, so I bought some beads and that's how it started. Uh, I am the fourth of five children, a medical doctor, my profession. Right now, I'm doing my master's in public health, trying to venture into data science and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's a little about me. 
yeah a little but quite a lot to in uh, maybe one minute or so you know it's interesting you said um it's not like you really had interest in the beginning to like get into this so it was more like an accidental like call it discovery you yes. know I, I remember back then in school you know when you bought all your equipment you did your cards and you know <laughs> all of those yeah. things you know so looking back now i mean is there uh would you say <clears throat> there are any specific skill sets you know from being a doctor that or med school then that helped you you know get better at this craft making of a thing yeah i would agree with that because i mean medicine on its own teaches you to there's this thing that our lecturers do where they say that your diagnosis starts from when the patient walks in the door let's say for instance remember um what is his name again uh our cmd i'm trying to remember his name <laughs> yes where he'll be doing his waddling gates and you say that or his like conventional gates and you say okay that's a sign that the person has had stroke you know so your diagnosis as a doctor you're trained to be more observant so you could see what the patient is not telling you maybe the patient's not con uh, convinced enough to feel comfortable with you and tell you the truth about their situation you could observe things and even by the virtue of the training or nature of the training to examine the patients, you need to be very observant of things to be able to see the signs uh, of the illness they come with. So that helped me with um, starting the beats. I didn't go into detail, but when my sister didn't have the time to repair my works, I actually snuck into her room. I went through her stuff, which she got mad at me for. I observed some of her jewelry and I could see how the wires were going. I was like, I can do this. I was able to observe. So I feel like that's something that was heightened by the training that we got in medical school. Ability to observe things and learn things on your own. So then I think I also discovered in medical school that I'm kind of handsy. So things that have to do with crafts that you make with your hands, I'm good at it or it comes easily to me, naturally to me, like the handmade cards and then the beads. So, yeah, medical school really helped with that. That's quite interesting. And it's good to also, you know, know that over the years, you've gotten very, you know, what's the word now? Become an expert in your uh, making your beads and jewels and all of that. So at any point, did you, you know, had to probably go and take uh, extra training or maybe an apprenticeship or something to, you know, improve your craft? For me as a person, I think I tend to want, I'm sort of a mini perfectionist, not 100%, but yeah, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So when I get involved in stuff, be it singing that I've done at some point, like choir, I tend to want to learn the nitty gritty of things. So yeah. when it comes to my jewelry making, I have a way of making myself learn new things, new skills. I buy the equipment even when I don't know how to use it. And then maybe a year down the line, six months down the line, I will just like, no, this stuff cannot waste. <laughs> I'm not just spend my money for nothing. Yeah. And then I'll try something. And I, I think I have a general, I think my major gift all in all is being able to see things and just know how to do them, figure it out myself. Like the bead making, I didn't go to a formal school or training like my sister did. Like yeah. I said, I 
some of our jewels and I could see how the wires were going and I felt like it would make certain shapes and certain stuff. And then I imagine stuff, I sketch it and I just try it and I get it right. So that's how it's been for me. But there were a few times that I saw specific skills that needs that actually needs training of some sort. And then I'll go to, uh, when I go to my vendors, I would often ask, okay, this particular design or shape, how do you do it? And then they will show me, I'm like, you know what? I will end up buying these beats from you. I'll kind of bargain with them like, okay, I'm going to get these beats from you. So you're going to still get some money. So just show me so that I would want to do those designs and I'll need to get the materials from you anyways. Yeah. And then we kind of developed kind of friendship. I developed a friendship with them. So they will willingly teach me and then I would use that skill in my own way, not in the regular way, to make my own unique stuff. So, yeah, I think that's the amount, that's the training I got. That's the, just once in a while, I just get to learn a particular skill, but not like a formal, oh, we're going to train you for this amount of days and you're going to pay this amount. So even yeah. when I have people come to me, if sometimes initially I would train them for free, I think I did a bit of training in school for my uh, students in my society just some people came to me and, and did that even after school but also i've also done for pay too so uh, <laughs> definitely something <laughs> has to get into the pocket you know so then uh, just curious you know uh well i wouldn't call yours transition because it's not like you left medicine totally right so but Getting to this point now, what are the challenges you faced really, you know, trying to combine the, you know, medicine part of it, making beads and jewelry and all of that? Because I know anything artistic really requires um, a good amount of dedication, consistency and all of that. And medicine on its own, it's also challenging really. So how are you, what are the issues, what are the challenges and how did you navigate that, um, all those problems? Okay, so initially when I started this business, it was more for fun. Just that I think I love the idea that I'm like God in being a creator, creating stuff from scratch. It's kind of interesting. And I think I understand the joy that God gets when he, he said he created this and then he saw it was good and he rested, you know. There's a joy that comes from it and a sort of attachment to all your works. So... For me, I think initially it was quite difficult combining these two things, but over the years I've learned to, I don't know, be more of a micromanager with my time. So right now, like I said, I'm doing my master's, almost rounding up my master's in public health uh, in the United States. And um, I've still found time, maybe times that I'm bored or when one has negative, I found a way to channel negative energy like frustrations or different things into my work, my craft. And I I feel like just quoting Paris Hilton, who said that there's nothing such as bad publicity. (laughs) So I think that there's nothing when it comes to artwork, there's nothing such a, such a, uh, there's nothing like negative energy. Energy is energy. So even when it's, so-called negative i feel like you can channel it into creating stuff yeah so i mean some of my best works have come at times when i'm down 
So I, rather than focusing on my frustrations or stuff, I somehow just channel it in. And times when I have any little free time, other than gallivanting, I just channel it into creative. <laughs> so I leave a kind of private, how would I put it, um, conservative life where I'm not going out too much for most of the, for the most part. And then there are times when I'm also that extrovert. So I just find a way to balance it. To be honest, it's not easy. But like yeah. I always tell people that ask me this question, I mean, I tell you that you make time for what you feel is your priority. So there's no say, I can't do this and this. I feel like I am both a clinician, although right now I'm venturing towards public health. I'm both that and I'm both an art, I'm a, and, sorry, both that and an artist at the same time. So basically I, I wouldn't give up one for the other <laughs> so. yeah again and that also brings me to another question you know there is this um how like like call it attitude no let me not call it attitude really you know because uh when doctors or colleagues see other persons who are venturing into other areas you know and you know, it looks as if this person does not know what he or she is doing, you know, because maybe there is no safety netting or it's not something they are used to and all of that. So have you encountered that at any point in time? Why is this guy making beads? Why is he producing jewelry? Why is he styling people? And, I mean, have you had that? Yeah, a lot, <laughs> a lot. Even initially from family too, especially my old man, because yeah, he felt like, at the time, he felt that, that um, well, I think there were two things. Number one, he felt like beads or jewelry should be a woman's thing, which is totally not the case. But that was his perception, and that is understandable, maybe for yeah. his generation, the way they saw it. And, uh, and he also felt that if I had medicine, why would I, I'm so busy with that, why would I want to do anything? I felt it to be a distraction. But by passing my medical exams and graduating as a doctor, I kind of proved to him that I could combine the two. Although he was still a bit resistant, eventually he gave me his blessings. And right now, let us say I was back at home, he would always want to see my designs. I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. So I feel like the fact that we would encounter resistance towards achieving things. Sometimes that is a sign that that's a great thing that we need to keep on doing. And yeah. while we encounter resistance, if we're able to keep on pushing, I feel that eventually people that are the naysayers end up becoming your fans. Yeah. So that's what I've gotten along the way. People that resisted or said no are now the ones like, wow, wow, I want them to be associated with that school or wanting me to do something for them. So. I feel that it's all about your perspective. See it as just one of those things you have to overcome. And then eventually, I feel that people, they get the jack, they get to understand that this is you. And if they love you, they stay and they support you in your dreams. Yeah, that, I, I, I totally agree with you, you know, because I, I'm also seeing that um, on my own side of things, you know, um, doing the tech part of things is as it was this guy doing is he doesn't even know what he's doing but well that's another conversation for another day really then um <clears throat> coming to so is it lucrative you know now i'm asking for people who might want to you know 
delve into this space. Because again, yes, there is passion. This is what you really want to do. But at some point, you need to earn some you know, money to keep the business going and all of that. So would you say it's um, lucrative or something coming in? Okay, so I would say this. I'll just <laughs> give, like, this is, um, this is strictly private information that I'm about to say. And I've never really shared it with the public space, but no, you don't to, need to give us the figures. It's I, just... want to, I want to, I want to, because um, I think this. I don't know who this will reach, and I would like them to be encouraged in whatever they want to do, and know that they can do it all and be their total selves, and they don't want. To, they don't have to give up one part for the other. But when it comes to any business, I feel structure is important, discipline is important, and also um, originality. I remember yeah. getting a stall in Lagos that I did not apply for in a very big gemstone or fashion fair, but I couldn't go because of my work. Yeah. <laughs> I just come back from leave, so I couldn't go. But that show was really, really big, right? Someone had uh, commented, I think they wanted to give out two or three free stalls. Someone had commented that um, they asked that they should comment about jewelry or yeah, jewelry designers who are original, who have original works, and so on. I think two or three people commented. People that I, I think I'd never recognized two of them. And I was like, what? Like, I just saw my name tagged and I, was, I read this something. And next thing, they went through my stuff because they were insisting on getting uh, jewelry makers that we are original. People that are not copycats do not copy other people's works. And then I got a store. I was invited. Oh, free store. And everything in Lagos, you know, one of the biggest gemstone fairs. Yes, but I didn't make it. That is just an example of what it means to be original. So what I said was the private information was that in 2016 we all knew about MMM and the disaster it was. I was one of those who tasted a big part of that disaster because I was not. I was trying to do for both myself and some other people that I felt needed help at the time, uh, close to me. And then I lost almost all my savings. And mind you, this was savings that was supposed to be for my master's that I'm doing currently. Wow. The thing that gave me courage and that helped me overcome what would have been a major depression for me was the fact that I have no signature. And yeah. within two years or so, I had saved with my very low paying job, <laughs> medical job, I saved about two million or three, I can't remember, three, four million. So wow. that's what Nuxipita did for me. And I feel like it's, so that's my way of saying it's very lucrative. <laughs> so um, it's just about uh, setting standards for yourself. Okay, you want a certain market and then you make sure your works meets the desires or well, I say the benchmarks that such markets are attracted to. So the quality has to be good, the durability has to be good, and price also has to be high, but not too high. Yeah. Something good, you understand? Should match what you're offering, the quality you're offering. So, so I think, yeah. Interesting. So we say it's it's lucrative so if you're watching and you're thinking of getting into you know this space yes it's worth it but again you have to put the time and the dedication to it so how do you manage you know 
practice and doing this, you know, considering the fact that um, people might have requests, okay, I need this for this wedding or this mm. event and all of that. How do you manage your time? Hmm. That, I, I, have, um, I have a way of doing things. For Nook Signature, I tend to have all the time, every single time, both in Nigeria and the US, I always have ready-to-wear items. So when I have customers, the first thing I do is to show them what's available, what's on ground for immediate pickup or delivery. Okay. And where they do not want what is available, then if it's in Nigeria that the customer is, I have people who help me to make stuff on my request. You understand? And then they do that. And I have my delivery people pack, uh, get it to my home where it's packaged and then sent to the customer or the customer comes and picks up. Then if it's in the US, I do that myself, you understand? So um, it's kind of doable, <laughs> but for now, I feel like, uh, okay, in the past one week, I think I made close to 500,000 uh, Naira, not dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, but I feel like that is something that is not steady. And I'm at that stage where I feel like I need to give it more structure so that, um, will I say, that kind of amount or more is coming in steady, steadily every week. Yeah. So that may require some sort of employment, not just the one-off do this for me and I pay you kind of stuff. So I'm yeah. trying my best to figure it out. I'm still figuring it out. I don't know it all yet. And I'm open to suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's a journey, but yeah, you're already heading there, really. You know, so I mean, for persons who might think of uh, you know transitioning or trying to attempt this, do you have any advice for them? Well, for jewelry, I would say you have to know. I think the safe thing for when it comes to business. I have not thought about transitioning straight, uh, strictly to being a jewelry designer. I mean, I love the tech world and I'm trying to break even into that, doing data science along with my public health, wanting to do a PhD and all of that. So for me, I have passion for seeing people get well. So, and that has um, nicely metamorphosized into a passion for creating programs that can help populations stay healthy, not just treating one patient at a yeah. time. And that's why I'm into public health now. I'm not sure and I don't see myself totally leaving medicine for just jewelry. But there may be someone out there that wants to do this. I would advise that before you do that, unlike I did, because I started it almost like a hobby just to meet simple university needs, I would say you should create structure, invest in creating structure. If you have the funds for it, get a shop or build a factory or whatever you can do. Do that, have a structure of, let's say starting with one or two workers, someone that will be making stuff for you, someone that will be helping with the sales or the social media. If you have that on ground, then you're beginning to create an empire, a business that does not always require a presence to function. That is very necessary you would have to be working and doing this and then maybe pushing whatever extra amount of salary that you can after your savings into it as i did and eventually 
it will create the business will start to function and take care of itself. The profits will start running the business. And it's at that point in time when you see that there is steady income that you can leave medicine or whatever uh, profession you are to fully focus on that. But before that, I would advise that because, I mean, bills have to be made. I'm um, saying paid, and yeah. then you have to meet the needs of children or whoever is your dependent. So you can't just risk it all. But I've also had friends who actually risk it all and resign and go and start pushing their passion, and then they have some rocky, you know, for a while, and then they make it. So whatever your conviction tells you you should do, I feel you can go with that. But for me, I would advise from my own point perspective that you first make build it up. To a certain level before you transition totally to that. Yeah. What's the most exciting part about being a jeweler, really? For me, funny enough, it's just being able to create something. Like when I sketch, like if you go on my social media, especially Instagram now, I have something I call from sketch to from is it from sketch to uh, reality or something like that. Let me just check it out briefly. Give me a second. Uh, I titled it from sketch to. Give me a second. I'll be with you. Uh, I just need the exact word. Sorry. I'll be a minute. That's fine. Yes, from sketch to products. So from okay. sketch to product, it's about how my sketches end up becoming the product that the consumer enjoys. So you would see like my first collection and I think a bit of my third collection that was released last year. And um, they tend to show, you see the sketch and then you see the finished product. So I feel for me, that's the greatest fulfillment, being able to actualize that sketch so that it comes out like a product that actually resembles the sketch, just the way I imagine it. I'm like, oh, this was in my imagination, and now everyone can see what was stuck in my head. That's like the achievement for me. And then seeing people come and like, wow, wow, this is unique. This is different. I was like, okay, okay, I get something right. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. You know for creators, it's usually that um, excitement that, okay, this is something I thought about and, you know, it has come to life. And yeah. in your case now, people are wearing it, going for parties or mm-hmm. uh, birthday events or naming ceremonies and, you know, <laughs> all, all types of events, really. You know, so exactly. that's interesting and um, it's exciting to, you know, hear that from you as somebody in that um, <clears throat> space. Um, so are there any you know resources or places you could point people to who are desirous of you know picking the necessary skills to get into the space? Mm, I think YouTube is a very big resource. Okay. <laughs> um, on YouTube you can find a lot of uh, I'll be honest, I've never really done YouTube myself. <laughs> um, but YouTube is uh, a place where you can find a lot of um, uh, how to do it yourself videos. So that is not that does not exclude uh, jewelry making or beading. You'd find a lot of YouTube videos that show, even as it's a point in time where I was learning from someone in Abuja who works with diamonds, the precious stones and the metals. 
I was learning how to cut stones, like rough stones. You uh, draw the shape you want, you cut it, you design it, you pre you shine it, kind of like polish it and everything. I learned that, and then I at that time I checked some YouTube videos and I was able to see the same thing, exactly what she was teaching me. So YouTube is a very very rich resource for you to find them. I think um, there is this other place, not not pick at um place where you see i'm trying to remember i can't remember again but it's starting from p it's an app i don't know where you can also find a lot of do it your to uh, how to do uh, videos so that can be a great resource then another resource that you can use that will where you can learn more locally appreciated designs i would say go to a bead market usually bead markets are laden with uh, people that make beads always sit it around maybe so waiting to make beads for those who buy materials and maybe want yeah. corals and so those guys like my people you have to trust them they know they have skills whether it's wire works whether it's beading they are gifted they are just underappreciated and maybe because of um maybe lack of education or lack yeah. of pl platform they are Will I say maltreated or exploited by clients because they are desperate for money and then they charge cheap for the handwork they do, which should never be charged cheap, in my opinion. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Hmm, interesting. So YouTube is a very important or useful resource place to go to. Yeah, I I, I quite agree with that too because um uh, that's where I even learned how to create websites in the first place. You know, people ask me, where did you learn how to make websites and all of that? That's where I actually learned. I remember finding this eight-hour video on creating WordPress websites. I actually sat down, watched the whole video end to end. Then the next time I was doing it, I I was now practicing the steps one after the other. So did the first one, second one, third one, and now i'm quite comfortable doing it without any youtube um, tutorial so yes youtube is your place to or go to place when you're looking for <clears throat> some of these things um i don't know if anybody's watching if you've got any questions you can drop them in the comment section and um, we'll take it from there really then though so are there any specific types of jewelry that you specialize in or do you like um doing maybe based on custom requests or a bit of both um jewelry specialization i would say that i am in love with uh gemstone jewelry precious stones but the thing about precious stones is that they're capital intensive so i have not yet ventured into that but at the moment i am dealing with i deal with uh, semi precious stones also known as gemstones like uh, turquoise black uh, black onyx white onyx uh, sodalites and different stones different types of gemstones jasper i do a lot of jasper but what type of jewelry do I make? I make for all ages, uh, for different occasions, whether it's wedding. I mean, pearls are good enough for weddings. Uh, you have pearls, you have coral beads. I work with coral beads for traditional weddings, even in a very stylish, beat-down manner, like maybe a coral pendant and earrings yes. for 
simple dressing and stuff. And that is my specialty. And that's what I do on what my the workers that I hire do with our hands. But as for other types of jewelry I now offer, they it began a few years ago, uh, 2020, specifically based on constant demand from clients. So I now import my own branded uh, leather bracelets, uh, cuff bracelets too, and yeah, packages too. So I just get all of that done, but that is not done by myself, but it's done for me, for my brand. So I think right now I offer a wider range of jewelry, not just gemstones. Now I do the stainless steel in gold, black, and silver, cuff bracelets, and then the leather bracelets too. So. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, I think it's good to even hear that you you cater for everybody, you know, adults, children, everybody, and all of that. So if you're looking for to do anything for yourself or your kids, then he's the person to go. Um, just conscious of time, I know your time is very precious. Um, do um. I think these are the places we can find you. I'm just running it on the screen. Um, yes, yeah, same name, Nook Signature, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. So if you're looking for him, you can find him on these platforms. And uh, if you have any requests, his email is here, Nook Signature <coughs> at gmail.com. And it's always happy to... Um, answer your request or whatever. So any parting words before we end for today? Oh, well, we are on threads as well. <laughs> the new Instagram stuff. That's, an, that's one of the parting words. But I think most importantly, I'm pleased to have come on this show. And I just want to encourage uh, anyone out there that's listening to this that your dreams are valid and it's okay for you to have multiple facets to yourself in terms of your professional life and uh, business life it's all achievable there are human beings who change their professions up to four times in their lifetime yeah. so it's, there's no rule like maybe back then in our parents days that you will start and finish with one profession it does not make you a mediocre it does not make you um less professional or it doesn't make you uh, less knowledgeable you can actually be very good in one thing and equally be very good in something else all it takes is more dedication more time to be able to achieve your dreams and your goals but they are valid and you can achieve what you set your mind to thank you all right thank you so much dr kenny for coming on the show and uh, hopefully we'll still catch you one of these days again so if you're watching please don't forget to subscribe to the channel and um, we'll keep bringing you some of these interesting conversations and to come your way next time i remain your host dr ron and uh bye for now bye <laughs>